welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. I am Cortana, standing in the shadows, watching with big, big, sad eyes. Watching. Are we talking about that still? Oh my god. We haven't started yet. Oh, we haven't even started. And also joining us is Eric Van Allen. Hi, I'm I'm the arbiter, and I'm just very confused about where Chief and I stand in our relationship <laughs> now. You know, there's going to be there's going to be some talks down the line. You know, we're going to have to discuss <laughs> some things. Uh, changing my status to it's complicated on Halo Facebook. <laughs> and with us is our special guest this week. She has been in the games industry since the 2000s. She's no longer in the games industry, but she was most recently at Blizzard. Amy Dunham, welcome to the show. Thank you. Not to subtweet today's discourse, but I have a high diversity score. So <laughs> <laughs> You specialized well. You've allotted your points. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's certainly a thing. Amy is here because we are going to be continuing on with the PC RPG quest this week in which we explore the MMO RPGs of the 2000s. And Amy worked on quite a few of them. Amy, which MMO RPGs did you work on? Yeah, so oh, too much of my life was spent making MMOs. Um, my first job after college, I joined Mythic Entertainment like shortly after Dark Age of Camelot launched. I worked on the game for a long time. Uh, I was the lead programmer after the second or third expansion. Um, let's see here. When I was also at Mythic, I did work on Warhammer Online for a little bit. And I worked on two um, two games that never saw the light of a day, which was like a Warhammer console version and like a Dark Age of Camelot prototype console version. So um, I was there for a long time. Um, and then I left and went to Bethesda and helped start ZeniMax Online Studios. So an, another huge chunk of my life went into, basically I worked on Elder Scrolls Online. I was you know, the head of engineering. I worked on it from basically the first line of code up until launch. Wow. Um, that's too long. Don't work <laughs> on a game for seven years of your life. Um, at that point I was maybe done making MMOs. Uh, I left and I went to Blizzard and I was at Blizzard from 2014 until 2021. I did not work on WoW at any point. I was kind of WoW adjacent. Mm -hmm. um, although obviously, you know, I worked at Blizzard for a long time. I have many dear friends that worked on it. And I also played a lot of WoW in my life. Nice. That's awesome. That's one hell of a resume. It's definitely more impressive than mine. It was like, <laughs> I wrote some words for something. It's all the context of which words for which thing. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a good point. That is a good point. I actually um, worked on a online game that went absolutely nowhere because the developers were, I guess, a little too ambitious. This was their first game. It was a mobile online RPG because those were really, like, really hot around like the, the 2010s. And it just did not take off. It did not go anywhere. I don't even know if anyone played it. But either way, uh, a lot of lore got lost with that game. That's, that's kind of a shame because I wrote some good stuff for that. Well, we will be getting to the PC RPG quest in a bit, but before that happens, if you enjoy the show, thank you very much. Please leave a review on the podcast of your choice. It brightens our day and helps the visibility of the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa, Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at C Moosey. 
S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. Amy, are you on Twitter? Uh, I am. Uh, my handle is at star.amy, but I don't. I just mainly retweet things that I find funny or horrible in the world. So It's for the best. Stay off that yeah. hell platform. Focus on the cat memes and you're good. <laughs> We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have a ton of exclusive content. And we just recently two, released two big projects. One of them was the Top 25 RPG Remake, which is now available to our patrons, will be available on the free feed on Wednesday. It is a three-hour epic in which Nadia, Eric, and I sit down and hash out the 25 best RPGs of all time. What will be number 10? You may be surprised. Number one may surprise you as well. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discourse. There certainly has been over on the Discord, which you can access if you're on the Patreon. But yes, go check that out. Uh, it's been getting a lot of good feedback, y'all. Yeah, um, I went to the fe- I went to the channel later and said, "All right, who hates me?" Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't think I made too many like startling choices. I I know what my favorites are, and uh, yeah, I think we did a I think we did a pretty good list all together. I, I like that it's not a typical list. We worked hard to especially get some Western representation in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more about the list making process at the end of the day. I think I, I said that at the end of the pod is like as much fun as it was to finally narrow it down and make a list. It was also really fun to over the course of the last you know half a year to just talk about games we all love, both in the community and and us here, the, the priestesses. So it, it was a good time to discuss all that and be able to spotlight different things that we really like about RPGs, share them around. I'm sure a lot of people added to their backlogs because of the top 25. We may be doing a postmortem pretty soon in which we break down some of the choices and discuss them further. And here's some of your thoughts as well, because we want to know what the community mm-hmm. thinks. The community, you may be shocked to know, has opinions on this, y'all. But mm-hmm. in, in addition to the top 25 RPGs of all time, we also have the quest for the Axe of the Blood God, our D&D 5e adventure in which, a, sorry, in which Nadia, Eric, and I all went on a big quest and there were orcs and trolls and a badger named There's Orlando. A hill. a hill we just could not climb. That <laughs> was hill. the worst hill. Oh, the hill was great. And <laughs> the I went hill down the stairs. The <laughs> and then I fell down a hole. You guys went we down stealthily and I fell down. We almost died to that hill and hole like multiple <laughs> times. Just like pure terrain that we could not navigate. <laughs> As Zubai Man just pointed out, our special guest DM... Shivam Bhatt tried so hard to keep us all alive. <laughs> it was like, it's you ever true. seen uh, uh, that meme of someone holding like baby leashes and the babies are going everywhere? That was us. Yes. I've never seen more relief on someone's face when we got back to that final encounter. And I could tell Shivam was really worried that we were going to just wipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then in the first spell cast, I took out half the people there and I, I just saw this wave of relief over his face as he was like, okay, we can move forward now. It's yeah, a little less scary. Yeah, used shatter, wasn't it? It really yeah, shattered. The, the, whoop, the whoopee cushion really uh, <laughs> did the job a few times, saved our hides. Well, that is available on both the free feed and the premium feed, so you can go and listen to it in its entirety. And if you like it, send us feedback. Send it. Send me a note on cat at bloggodpod.com or on Twitter at the underscore catbot and tell me all about it so that we can do more of these because I think we all had a great time.
I think we need okay. justice for Orlando. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Orlando, Orlando will return be... in Orlando in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> and as usual, we are recording this for our Stars of Destiny, which is a tier available on the Patreon. And this week we welcome Teeps, Azixa, Cal L, Not Hollow, Ruka, Sarden, the Lusty Oregonian, my favorite, uh, <laughs> your ex-hero, and Zoo Batman to the recording. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, it's time now to talk about what we were pl- we were playing, our sacrifices to the blood god. And Amy, you're our special guest. What have you been playing? Um, so I, I unfortunately moved like April 1st. Um, that is unfortunate. Up, I'm sorry. It took up a lot of gaming time. Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of like an adorable time capsule of Aww. March 2022. So I'm playing some hot games you might not have heard of. I'm playing a little Elden Ring and sometimes mm-hmm, I play mm-hmm. Kirby. Oh, Kirby um, is so good. It is. It's like it's a good calm down game. It's the other thing, um, I just started playing like a little indie RPG. It's called Get in the Car Loser. Um, mm. I love that. Uh, oh, the mm-hmm. the gayest. It's an, the gayest RPG. It's, it's super gay. Uh, I do have a soapbox of like you should consume content like made by anybody other than like cis white straight males, which most AAA games are. So you kind of need to go to the indie space and like. It's it's a really messy gay game and it's adorable for that. So I I mean I am enjoying that on the side too. Get in the car, loser. Also, Amy and I, in full disclosure, like to hang out outside of the podcast and we've been playing Hollow Knight together, which has been yes. a lot of fun. I've yes. been coaching Kat through Hollow Knight. Yes. It's my mission to Amy's get her a to finish. Hollow Knight speedrunner, which is really cool. Oh, interesting. Really? Yeah. That was how that was my coping during the pandemic was like the first <laughs> like the dark first like four or five months. I just like played so much Hollow Knight and learned to speedrun it. And you know, if you just play games for like five straight hours in a sitting, like you don't have to think about the world for a little bit of time. <laughs> it's kinda nice. My pandemic game was probably Stormblood in Final Fantasy Fourteen. I went through it pretty hard at that point. I was gonna say fourteen was was a coping mechanism. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Game Center CX was my coping mechanism. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Watched it on loop. You can go back to the podcast at that time. I think I was talking about it. Quite you were. A bit, you actually. talked about the episodes and uh, playing it. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Arno. Uh, Arino. Arino. And I just love the meme with him saying, "There is not one encouraging word on that screen." <laughs> um, Nadia, you've been playing a little game called Aiden Chronicles Rising. Yes, like I have. Uh, I'll tell you what. That is a very good come down game after Elden Ring because it is. Very straightforward so far. Like, I don't know how far I'm in, like maybe two, three hours. And people have called it a grind fest, and it is. I will absolutely allude to that. Basically, you're going through like Metrovania stuff to gather resources and bring them back to town and build up the town. It's a very comforting cycle. I always love that cycle, but it is kind of grindy. So I still enjoy it. And I actually am still very, very encouraged for the main game because what they have here, yes, it is grindy. But the core of the game, the character designs are just A++++. The combo system where you uh, kind of swap out and juggle enemies is a lot of fun. Uh, the music's great. The graphics look lovely. So the only real problem is, okay, is this game is built around a very grindy gameplay loop. And that's the sort of thing that I don't think you're going to have much of in the RPG, hopefully. And hopefully they see the criticism that is there and adjust accordingly. But in terms of the basic building blocks of a good Suikoden and successor, I think they're all here and we're going to have a really good time when the main game comes out. But I'm as for the game itself, it's fun. It's a good feedback loop. It's enjoyable. 
I have no major qualms with it because I'm someone who loves to grind. You, uh, but Aiden Chronicle Rising is actually fairly different from sweet, yeah. uh, from the main game. Yeah, that's why I'm saying hopefully the main game won't be built on a, a system of grinding because that's not what the RPG should be about. But for what it is, Aiden Chronicles Rising being kind of a, a sub-chapter that gets you uh, invested in this world and its characters is great. Like I said, the, the character designs are exactly what you want for Suikoden. Like, you remember Suikoden 2, you have like noble dog generals in their, in their attire <laughs> looking very serious. You have that with this game in spades. Like, uh, what's the name of the kangaroo? Guru, I think his name is. That's a yeah, brilliant guru. design. He's an angry mercenary kangaroo with an eye patch. He has a sword in an infinite pouch. That's his, where he stores his sword. If you look in the pouch, it's like swirly space or something. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's fantastic. It's just brilliant. Like, and the first character you meet is, God, he's an alligator wearing a cowboy hat. What is not to love about all of this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As Cal L just pointed out, they also have a capybara man and giant guinea pig man. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they... This team at, at Suikoden has always been good at just designing these amazing Beastmen characters. Just They still have my favorite version of the Kobold in Suikoden. No, no question. What is it, by the way, with seemingly every anime game having furries? Because we'll be talking about this in a hot second, but the new Hoyoverse game also has furries. Uh, Epic 7 has furries. The furries grew up and they ended up the industry. That's all there's like, to it. Is it Look just because... Is it just because of the crossover between furry and anime that they're just like, eh, screw it. Also, they're furries. I, I was I was talking about this earlier. So you can tell when a game, like a long-running game, like say League of Legends, wants to suddenly start appealing to the Chinese market is they put Wukong in the game. They're like, here's Sun Wukong in the game. We are now selling this game in China. Um, <laughs> and the furry is just their way to be like, hey, look, we have an anthropomorphic animal. Y'all like, like Panda. that, right? If there's one here, <laughs> you know what? You know, I respect it in a way because we'll, we'll talk about the, the Mihoyo game in a second. Cause it's also got a giant bear and like a karate gi that just like yeah. suplexes people. And as, as a Tekken fan, as a King fan, that appeals to me oh, personally. Yeah, Kuma, so, right? No Kuma King, King with oh, the, the leopard Kuma mask the and the wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kuma, Kuma is also cool. But uh, I love King and Armor King. And so that wrestling moves with a big old bear made me happy. Eric, as usual, you seem to be playing everything. Yeah, this this week's a weird week for me because I got my Steam Deck uh, and I finally started messing around with <sighs> you it. bastard. So, so <laughs> right now. my my sacrifice to the blood god this week is uh, let's see what runs on my Steam Deck. And uh, if you listen to the top 25, you probably heard some of this. Uh, I installed Baldur's Gate 3, saw how much space it took up on my Steam Deck, wow. and immediately uninstalled Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3. How big was it? A uh, hundred and something gigs. Oh, it, it's a lot. It's Ooh-y, a lot, owie. which on like a 256 drive uh, really eats it up. So uh, I did check out, uh, I played a little bit of Trails in the Sky FC, and that definitely has the charm of like a PS1 era RPG but it also has the start of a PS one era RPG. And I was just like, this is not, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I, I am falling asleep. Someone left the discord. They were so angry about that take. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to try something else. I've been talking about it for a while. I'm going to try out final fantasy 12, the Zodiac age. And you know what? I'm mad. Cause Uh-oh. no one ever pitched this game the right way to me. 
<laughs> me specifically, they never, they always talked about the gambit system. They always talked about the, if then planning of the battle system and all that. No one told me this game is basically Matsuno does the star Wars prequels. Oh, he didn't know this that is some high Republic shit. This is some like clone wars ass shit. And I love it. It is fantastic. This game rules i am really eating it up so uh, one of the sneaky best one of the sneaky best final fantasy openings in my opinion it's, it's like it's so fantastic. cool when you see them over the maps and then it cuts yes. to all of the ships flying around oh, in like a giant so airship good. battle it's yeah. so epic so i I was like, it was like a Wednesday night and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a night of it. I had messed around with trails in the sky. I kind of fallen asleep. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to stretch a little bit. I'm going to boot up Zodiac Age, but I'm going to pop some popcorn and then I'm going to have that as a snack while I play. And I did not know I was going to be greeted with such an epic movie opening. So I was just sitting <laughs> there watching a movie on my Steam Deck, eating popcorn. And I was like, this is the most fun I've had with a video game in a while. Uh, so this is 2022, honestly, baby. Yeah, I'm loving Zodiac Age. It's also like Steam Deck verified. So that's been the other thing to kind of figure out is like Trails in the Sky mostly runs, but the cutscenes are weird. Like it was out of sync. The audio was out of sync with the video in the cutscene and it was labeled as like unverified. And I've been kind of going through different stuff. Like I've got KOTOR on there that I was going to check out and see how that runs um, as well as KOTOR 2. Uh, I've got the pixel remasters. So I picked up four and six uh, and I was going to see how those run because I think six is playable and four is verified. Um, It's been a cool thing to just kind of poke around at and I haven't even started emulating yet. So that'll be the real (laughs) fun is when I start doing that. But uh, it's a neat little toy to tinker with. It's a good time. So jealous of you right now. Well, Mm -hmm. as for me, I've been playing Monster Hunter World Iceborne on PC with my regular group. Getting ready for Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which I am. Um, it's coming along pretty fast, actually. It's going to be out this summer, and that will take up another, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 hours of my life. So, but Monster Hunter yeah. World Iceborne, I actually prefer. Uh, I see a lot of people saying they prefer Rise, but I, I prefer Iceborne for the most part. I think it's just prettier. Mm. I like the well, graphics. Yeah. I'm very shallow. Well, there are two very different kinds of of, uh, of Monster Hunter. I find I f- I found that zipping around is a lot more fun in uh, Rise versus not zipping around in World. But I haven't done I, was, I haven't done Iceborne, of course. Mm-hmm. You can ride a dog in Rise, and that's really that important. True. I think that is actually yeah, really cool. Critical. Yeah. The pup in Rise does add a lot, but on the other hand, I have Rise on Switch and it's 30 FPS, and Iceborne on PC, which is 60 FPS. And oh my god, mm, you need to play this game mm-hmm, in 60 mm-hmm. FPS. Oh, I was going to say I'm playing 10 on my Switch as well uh, for the Pantheon of the Blood God, and I, I love how Sin is basically the Cloverfield monster. How did that happen? <laughs> so I guess someone it came out long before Cloverfield. I know so yeah, that's yeah, why I'm laughing. Copied Final Fantasy 10. And I met Waka, brother. So racist. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, There's wait until you... you can say here that's not racist. I know. Well, I know. Wait, wait until you get later in the game, because right now Waka is just like a little racist and Waka gets very racist by the end of that game. So <laughs> Final Fantasy 10, Waka's racism. We, we made John DiMaggio play a racist. No, he does not get better. Oh, I thought he got better. <laughs> I will. I will verify that to you right oh, now. Waka. He gets worse <laughs> you know what's driving me up the wall like so far i'm really enjoying the aesthetics of this game because i love water i love to just kind of dick around and swim take off your shoes i'm not a foot person i swear to god but nobody in this land should be wearing <laughs> shoes 
swimming with <laughs> shoes. It's like the way Americans walk around their houses with shoes. Stop. Everybody I, stop. I think I think Yuna is barefoot in that one scene of in Kilika when she's walking on the water. Of course. But which T- is like one of the best scenes in any RPG. That's like a fantastic cutscene. Everyone that's great, remembers but that cut is, is swimming in army boots. Is that the one where she's spinning on the water? Yeah, she yeah, starts spinning iconic. on the water and the fire kicks up and it starts raising up like a geyser. That was oh. from the that was from the teaser that mm-hmm. was back yeah. in like 2000. Like mm-hmm. one of the first images. It's of very interesting time. to play this game because I remember how controversial it was that it had voices. And it's I have controversial. to. It was very controversial because it was the first Final Fantasy that had voices. And we we're like, oh, we don't need voices in our Final Fantasy. And, uh, you know, however many years later, here I am sipping for Grahatia and his mellow, mellow voice. But at the time, it was very, very, <laughs> people were not happy. And I think the voice acting for its time is actually quite good. And I, it's good. I it's commend good. Square too, because they put in a whole ass new language in there on top That's of like true. voice acting. So I'm the looking forward to getting deeper. It's one of the best parts of Final Fantasy X. I agree. Yeah, it's really I interesting. That. I love that Nadia hijacked my segment so that she could talk about how she's not a foot person. <laughs> well, well, Thank you, you, Nadia. Thank you for acting the, the blood way. god. This is what you get. <laughs> need to make my stance clear right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kat. I didn't mean to hijack you. Now we know. No, that's yeah, fine. I've seen you said my piece. It's time for this week in GeckoCon. As a reminder, we're going to have a little bit of spoilers here. So if you don't want to hear them, fast forward like two minutes and then we'll get into a series of random encounters. But this is what's happening this week in GeckoCon. There's a full moon and I managed to kill some shadows on a train and save everybody. Save the whole city. Uh, Junpei is kind of a sexist pig. I played tennis with my sporty girlfriend, Ryo, and I got battle underwear. So that is uh, my week in GeckoCon. one thing that, so I'm playing Persona 3 Portable, and a notable difference between Persona 3 Fez and Portable is that Fez has the traditional Persona 3 of running around mm-hmm. on, right. uh, you know, on the map, whereas Portable is point and click. I feel like the first time it actually impacted the experience was in that train segment, which is mm. much more of a set piece. and. I remember in Fez, you start on the out on the train tracks and you see the full moon and you run up to the train and it works really well. The contrast with the Tartarus mm-hmm. is awesome. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work quite as well when it's just some text boxes. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's I haven't seen that scene, but the way you describe it, I love that kind of thing. It sounds so like perfectly creepy. And of course, the full moon and SMT or Persona is a big deal to begin with. Absolutely. Meanwhile, Junpei is saying that it's just really grumpy because he's not the leader of the group, even though he's the guy. And uh, uh, Mitsudu just totally ripped him a new one. It was like, don't even think about being sexist. And he's just mm-hmm. like, geez, okay. And I'm like, that's right, Junpei. You suck. <laughs> Go sit Mitsuru in the corner. Is the best. Mitsuru that's, is the best. That's right. And um, yeah, and I got battle underwear. This week in GeckoCon. Underwear and foot. Underwear and feet. Yes. We're up to a strong start, start. What could possibly top that, he says, looking at random encounters. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the podcast, Amy. Yes, hi. Thank you. Sorry. I'm excited. Yeah. I feel like Nadia's uh, I'm not into feet shirt is answering a lot of questions. 
<laughs> that should be obvious by the shirt I'm wearing. That have been answered already. We'll continue on with this week in GeckoCon, but now it's time for a series of random encounters. Poyoverse, the developers of Genshin Impact, <laughs> revealed their new game in Zenless Zone Zero, which is kind of a hip urban RPG. It looks pretty cool, actually. I might actually play it, except for the microtransactions. Nintendo's Doug Bowser said that the contractor concerns are troubling. You should go read my article about that over on IGN. Final Fantasy XIV is keeping Square Enix afloat, according to financials. And players are also getting in trouble for mods creating a splinter in the community. I like that there's a jail, Final Fantasy XIV mm -hmm. jail. There is apparently a Final Fantasy XIV jail. I have not been there, but I have heard the stories. Like apparently if you get pulled aside by a, a game mod, you're put into like this concrete room and the mod's standing there like flaming because it's got like flame effects and you're gonna get berated for whatever you are doing. In a lot of cases, it's because people have inappropriate names. Uh, I knew someone named Cock and Ball Torture, they got pulled aside. And they said, yeah, you have to change your name and you have to change your uh, retainer because you can have a retainer. You have to change your retainer's name. He can't be called like Harshafant, uh, Cock and Ball Torture. You got to get rid of that. So <laughs> you will get pulled aside. I think there was a big issue with someone named, with a Lala fell named In Your Ass. And he's mm -hmm. like, but it got past the filter. And the GM's like, it doesn't matter if it gets past the filter. You can't do it. But mm -hmm. just to go into it very quickly, it's something I'm sure we'll cover on Charlie and Dropouts. But... Uh, mods are, as this is actually a good topic to have Amy here for, because mods in MMORPGs are very, very much a thing, especially, especially in older RPGs. And even though they're not supposed to be in Final Fantasy XIV, people have done like UI mods and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. it's been kind of like, you know, keep it on the hush hush, don't go yelling about it, and we'll just kind of overlook it, even though it's not supposed to happen. But it's becoming more of a public thing now. I'm not exactly sure why. It's something to do with the new Savage Raid. It was uh, the ultimate raid. To put it quickly, there is a video of a world first on the new uh, Dragon Song reprise, I believe it's called, mm. uh, where the clear the people who cleared it were using stuff like UI mods uh, oh. and different sorts of like information trackers and stuff. Uh, fourteen uh, fans, a certain subset of fourteen fans, got upset, called it out. Square Enix cracked down on them and is now cracking down on the general practice. Although the rule right now pretty much is you want to use mods just don't stream yourself don't yeah. get caught it's the, that's how you get found out is is showing the mods so uh it's it's a whole thing it's it's probably worth doing a deep dive on charlian yeah for sure i think uh it's also because um raids in final fantasy 14 are a really really serious business people say oh final fantasy mm -hmm. uh, players are really nice and mostly they are but it's all bets are off when you're in the raids it's just you got to look out for your own butt and it could be kind of uh, it's kind of like the way Canadians play hockey to get their aggression out so they could be kind of nicer during the day. Oh, is that what it was? I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. also like that we just lost our clean rating on iTunes after whatever the heck Nadia was just talking about <laughs> in Final Fantasy 14. Oh, all the names. <laughs> I didn't name them. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> It's just going to be like one long uh, censorship beef, except Nadia edits the podcast, so she'll keep it all in. Yeah, so. pretty much. Sorry. <laughs> uh, as for the rest of the random encounters, uh, Jim Ryan sent a 
very bizarre email about respecting differences of opinion on abortion rights. But that wasn't necessarily the bizarre part. The bizarre part was that then he pivoted right to talking about his cat's birthdays and how he wanted a dog because dogs are obedient. That was so weird. Oh my God. If not for something that happened today would have been the weirdest thing to come out of a a large AAA company in some time. Just we should respect differences of opinion and not get on each other. And also my cats have a birthday today and I love dogs (laughs) because they're subservient to me and they bite, they bite burglars, which was one of his key reasons for getting a dog. And now I wonder how many times Jim Ryan is dealing with a burglar, like on an average basis. I have to say as the daughter of a longtime alarm system salesman, uh, if someone is randomly casing your house and you have a dog and it barks, they're not even going to get close enough to get bit. Now, if you have something that Robert wants, then you have a problem. But what if they want the dog? Amy, I, mean, I think you had some opinions on this uh, that you were telling me about before. Yeah, I mean, it was very disappointing. I think the best comment I read was like, how, you made me angry about a cat's birthday. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. Um, but yeah, first time. I mean, it's a t- like it's a tough situation when you're working for a company and especially you know diversity in the industry is coming up a lot lately and then for companies to like not be able to take the most basic of stances uh to support the women in their company like that's that's super frustrating and people are often torn between like do you speak out do you not do you voice internally do you not um it's a really disappointing situation to see so much of the industry just like not be able to make basic statements. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Bungie was the only one that I know of that came right out and said, hey, screw you. This is a very long list of random encounters. Two more. Pokemon Home is adding uh, support for Arceus and Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But something I saw, it seems like you're not going to be able to import Chimchar from Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl to Sword and Shield, so I don't even understand the point of the whole exercise. I'm so upset right now. That is weird. Why would they do that? Nintendo. They didn't want to put the model in Sword and Shield, probably. Oh man. Yeah. Because they would there. have to go and, you know, model all the additional Pokemon, which I thought that was what they were going to end up doing, but seemingly not. I mean, I guess we'll see. It's a little unclear at the moment. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, I don't understand the point of being able to have cross-compatibility between BDSP and uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield if you can't bring over Pokemon that you can't normally get. Yeah, I agree. If you get what I'm saying. Yes. Very frustrating. And finally, there was a Nindies, but not much in the way of RPGs. But the big story this week, Starfield has officially Uh, been delayed. I'm sorry, Kat. 2023. It's the most heartbreaking news that I've seen all year. 2022 is between Breath of the Wild 2 and Starfield. 2022 is looking pretty barren. And I lost Witcher, Witcher 3 next gen. So I can't even look forward to that. I don't know. I'm just going to pack it up. I'm done for the year. Someone said on Twitter, I hope you like Pokemon because that's all you're getting for Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. I love Pokemon, but that's a real heartbreaker. On the other hand, I can kind of understand because how much actual gameplay did we see for this game that was supposed to come out in very, very quickly? And I know Bethesda is usually very good about getting their stuff out from like trailer to launch, boom. But it just feels like they're, there's a good reason why it's being delayed and they'll probably be happy at the end of that. Kat, let me tell you that if you're you know, looking for content to play, there is a free trial available for a critically acclaimed video game that goes all the way up to level 60 and includes the Heaven's Word expansion. <laughs> the award-winning Heaven's Word expansion. <laughs> Cat's covering her face, everyone. 
Cat recently have asked me on this podcast just to balance out her like probably will never play Final Fantasy fourteen side of the equation here. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> I appreciate it. If I ever have time, I'd like to actually yeah compare WoW and Final Fantasy fourteen sometime. Maybe we will do that. But as for Starfield, yeah, uh, so I guess it's a little bit of a mea culpa. I was really sure that Starfield was going to be coming out this year because Bethesda actually, you know, they have a track record of once they announce a, mm-hmm. a, uh, a, you know, a release date, they just, they pretty much stick to it. Fallout 76 might have humbled them a bit on that front. Maybe. Uh, Jason Schreier had an interesting tweet where he said that when, you know, I think last year, some developers over at Bethesda were saying, I don't know, it's going to be coming mm. in hot if we, what, they invoked the words Cyberpunk 2077 with Starfield. <laughs> big <laughs> warning sign blinking. Yeah. They were talking about having an alpha in the summer. Um, Amy, you've worked on big games. Like, what's your perspective on this delay? I mean, honestly, I think that it's impossible to overstate the amount of impact that COVID had across like long production timelines. Like I think the games industry is either going to move at a slower pace now. Like I think the impact you're going to see like years and years of like things more spaced out. Um, You're right though. I mean, Bethesda usually like when they announce a date, like they hit it. So um, it was probably like serious and far off. So um I mean, I'm happy that they made the choice, although you do know it's going to land like at the exact same time as Breath of the Wild now. So, Oh, it's inevitable. I'm sorry, guys. Yes. <laughs> Somehow the next Horizon will come out the week before. It's really weird. Sony <laughs> tried to rush it out this time to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Poor Sony and their multi-million selling award-winning uh, open world game. I'm sure they're really suffering over here. I don't know. I don't know how Horizon Zero West to sold so but i think, I, I think sold it more. probably did fine uh, yeah it's just that there's always like someone doing better next to horizon which is the funny part like horizon always does well but there's always someone next to horizon just doing better and it they're always second <laughs> amy i don't want to put you on the spot but you actually worked on fallout 3 oh oh cool I <laughs> I worked on Fallout 3 for about two months. Um, mm-hmm. So if you play the Xbox 360 version. Which um, I did. Your uh-huh. frame rate was like a little bit smoother because of me. Um, <gasps> Thank you. So I was I was certainly, I just finished the top 25 episode and I won't spoil anything, but I was like, I do have some code in like, in Fallout. So I was like, uh, technically I've contributed okay. to a game that was discussed for that. Yeah. I have to say, uh, Fallout 3 probably gave me my first major scare in a video game because I was minding my own business and I had my back turned. I turned around and I saw a, uh, what are they called? A mudclaw? The the big guys who the, mm-hmm. the guys who walk with the claws? Like, Deathclaw. No, not Deathclaw. That's the, that's the chameleon or whatever. But the um, just the, the, the mutant crab things that just silently come out of the water and come up behind you. And there was a guy with a, a Brahmin behind me or beside me and he just shoots the thing like screams just shoots it and that was such a great experience that was a very much a i think i'm finally the next generation experience of gaming i i feel like i'm the one who's the highest on starfield in this room i mean i know nadia doesn't care eric do you care literally at all about starfield i I actually didn't until i watched 
the expanse and then i was like i started getting really high on the idea of what if they made an rpg that was like this and starfield's the closest thing we could get to that so maybe starfield will deliver on that and i started to kind of climb the roller coaster and now that it's delayed i'm just like okay cool just whatever (laughs) back to normal i'll probably like it i mean hell i I didn't think i'd like elden ring and i'm like just went ham on that you like skyrim i mean why wouldn't you necessarily Mm -hmm. like yeah, exactly. As we just dis- it's not fantasy, it's in space. Yeah, so it's me in space. I'm kind of iffy on space. Too much vacuum. Amy, are are you going to play Starfield? I will probably at least try it. Although I guess if they come out at the same time, my heart will probably go to Zelda. Um, ah, see, that's, real, yeah, that's I mean, the right choice. I do have, I have tremendous respect for that team. I worked, I can't really claim credit for Fallout. I worked with them for a very short time, but like they were amazing people. And like Todd Howard is, you know, one of the greatest humans I've ever met, which is difficult to say about people in the games industry usually. Um, so yeah, I'm actually really excited for that game. I'm glad to hear Todd Howard's actually a, a pretty good guy. That's, yeah, thank uh, that's God. That's kind of nice to hear. You hear so much about people being terrible that you're like, oh, okay, someone who's actually good. So right. I have oh, a, yeah, uh, he's, he's wonderful. He's he's also one of those like creepy charisma people. Where, like, <laughs> you not, like not, He's not creepy, but like you meet him and you're just like, how can I help you? Like, how can I help oh, you okay. yeah. succeed in, like, how can I help realize your oh, vision? Oh, like, he's, yes. he just has that, like, he, yes. Yeah, so the has, leader like, kind of, like. He has, like, 22 charisma somehow. Like, he's just he could, the he could run a cult very easily if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yes. You he just, could, you just like him. And he is, he's wonderful. He doesn't abuse it. But, like, he's, mm-hmm. you just, you just want to be around him and you want to help him. There's a bit in Scrubs where there's a patient that they keep trying to kick out of the hospital, but then every time they go to meet him, he like just kind of smiles really nice at them, and they're like, "We gotta help this man. We gotta get him where he needs to go." People like that are so fascinating to me. I meet one once in a while. I actually have uh, just to to talk about Fallout Three for a half a second here. I have a very good friend who did the Fallout Three tour in DC, so that was that was pretty cool. And I was saying like, if you've ever been in those subways, do you know why they were chosen for a post-apocalyptic setting? Hmm. Zixa saying in the chat that they don't know anything about Starfield. And in fairness, nobody really knows much about Starfield because virtually nothing about mm-hmm. it has been shared. Um, we do know that it's NASA core, whatever that means. Uh, NASA punk. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. A-U, we A-U, saw A-U. that there's a robot companion. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But beyond that, like uh, Bethesda has kept it pretty close to the vest with Starfield, which tells us that it didn't have a lot to share. I just, but as you all were saying, I just know it's going to end up being right on top of Breath of the Wild 2. And I'm going to have to choose between my children. And I think I'm going to have to end up choosing Breath of the Wild 2 just so I can talk about a Nintendo voice chat. So, oh no, it's the worst. I know. <laughs> oh no, what a terrible oh, life no. for me. I have to play video games. Dang. <laughs> Darn. All right, it's time now for the PC RPG Quest, the latest in our ongoing series, exploring the many decades of the PC and RPGs. We started in the 1970s, and we went through the 80s and the 90s, and we've had many interesting guests talking about all of the things that have happened throughout the wonderful world of RPGs. Um, Yeah, we had a a really good guest last time talking kind of, uh, we had Jeff Green on talking about the best of times and the worst of times of the 2000s. But one thing we didn't really cover were MMORPGs, which I would argue really defined the decade 
uh, in PC RPGs around that time, specifically World of Warcraft, but there were plenty of others before World of Warcraft, including Star Wars Galaxies and EverQuest and many others. Um, Amy, as we were already kind of alluding to, you were working on MMORPGs at that time. That's why I brought you on the show. And I'm just wondering, what was it like to be working on games during that period? Um, I mean, so I guess I, I started like right at the beginning of the decade. Um, EverQuest was kind of already at its peak at that point. So like, it's funny, the discussions you have about WoW now, where you, or, you know, WoW by the end of the decade, where you're like, they have millions of users, like they must be right, or they must be doing something amazing. Mm -hmm. At that time, we were like, EverQuest, they have like 400,000 subscribers. Oh my God, this is the most a game could ever have. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, the giants of the genre really do define, like all other games sort of get made in reaction to it in one way or another. Um, yeah, the 2000s were really like, like this was kind of when MMOs came of age and like certainly it really launched the games as a service thing. Right. Like the, the the long tail of impact on the industry. So yeah, like in the first several years, it was very EQ dominant. And then like WoW came out in 2004 and, you know, changed the genre, changed the industry, changed, like it had a huge, huge impact. And overnight it just, it changed all the discussions. So like definitely making making or pitching things was very different after WoW came out. Like you could pitch for years, you could pitch anything by just being like, listen, if we get like 10% of their subscribers, we'll be successful. Like that sentence is how so many games got greenlit over and over and over. Um, and, you know, inevitably, like it's like all gaming, it's a, it's a lottery. Like you either win it all or you don't. So this decade also saw like games coming out and games crashing. Like there were games that came out and closed within the same year. Um, and it's pretty heartbreaking because like these, these games are huge, huge endeavors. So you could, you know, I worked on games for seven years. So like you can imagine putting that much time in if it doesn't hit, like the amount of like raw human time that goes in can just go down the drain so quickly. Like that game I worked um, on that kind of faded into obscurity before it even yes. stepped out the door. That was a lot of work. That was a lot, of, a lot of writing. Like I said, that was just the writing. Of course, there was programming, music, all gone. But that's the way yeah. it was. It just it goes away. These games are since they're online, they're they're gone permanently. Some you know some some people try to do like gray shards. Um, but yeah, it was just the industry is also small enough that like just last night I was like looking through the list of games that launched in the two thousands, and I was like. Oof, I know like people that worked on almost uh, all of these games that like had to sell their house to move to another oh, city to work on, you know, a game yeah. because it's very boom robust. Like companies swell and then if the game doesn't do well, everybody like leaves or gets laid off. So that was a very it was a, uh, it was a tumultuous tough time. time for the industry in general. Yeah, because I was writing during that time and a lot of companies just came and went and yeah, but especially MMORPGs because everyone wanted, as you said, that piece of the pie. Uh, even if it was like 10%, as you said, it would be great, but that didn't happen for most of them. So they just kind of faded away. Yeah. And it, it would swell hugely. Like as you, the years before launch, like, you know, ESO maybe had like five or 600 people working on it in, you know, the years before launch. So like, you can imagine if your game doesn't hit, like those numbers go up very high and then they come down. 
So inevitably you have like, oh, here's a bunch of people that worked on like SWOTOR. They came and joined us. So it was, it was definitely like a little bit of a revolving cast. Like if you had a job in the industry, you probably bounced around between several games as they came out. My own memories of that era, I was in college when MMORPGs were really taking off and I was quite poor at that time. So I could not afford the subscription to play World of Warcraft. I really wanted to play WoW though, because of course I had been super hooked on Warcraft 3. I had absolutely loved it. And WoW was going to, I don't know, continue the story, I guess. I just wanted to be able to go into that world. I was looking forward to it. But while several of my friends were playing WoW at that time, I wasn't able to join them. And so MMOs for a long time were this kind of weird abstraction for me where people would describe them. And I would sit here and go, yes, but I literally can't imagine what it's like to play, say, Final Fantasy XI, which came out in 2002 and was kind of this notable, interesting hybrid, like one of the first examples of an MMO that was on both console and PC, which in hindsight is wild. I mean... (laughs) I can't believe they put that thing on PS2 and that it wasn't a complete tire fire. No, they saved that for Final Fantasy XIV 1.0. That was two tire fires and a half. Uh, Uh, That was karma coming right back around. (laughs) Also at the time, I don't know if these count as MMORPGs, but there was a lot of web-based MMORPGs. Mm. Like, gosh, I don't remember the name of it, but I was assigned to kind of review slash help out slash write about one that was based on the Cartoon Network universe and you could like mm-hmm. talk to all the characters in the Cartoon Network universe and I think it got far enough that they added Finn from uh, Adventure Time but that was an example of everything was a, an online community everything was playing together so I reviewed a lot of games like that at the time but those eventually faded out as the you know web-based uh, stuff went away as, uh, ja- as um, Java went away. Yeah so like my experience with MMOs kind of started at this time because I I would have been about, sorry for this, I would have been about nine or ten years old oh, at the time. Child. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and, oh uh, I feel so was, old. This was the point where my dad decided that my brother and I kept fighting over who got to use the computer, so he just built a second computer. Uh, and it <laughs> nice. let us play Red Alert 2 on LAN, which was fantastic. But uh, that was around the time that I started messing around. I got into StarCraft, but I also started looking into like, online games in general because i was very internet literate from a young age and so i got into things like dofus which was like a weird Mm -hmm. tactical rpg mmo uh obviously neopets was was oh yeah that's a big big deal that's like Uh, a whole generation got into neopets and i feel like i must have been just too old because i'm like what neopets what is it was like Mm -hmm. we we all talked about it on the schoolyard talking about our neopets who i kept taking to the soup kitchen because i had to spend those coins on more important things (laughs) so you're feeding them Uh, gruel while you were saving money for look they're doing fine they're doing great they're probably dead save up for the die now (laughs) oh they're they're so dead after you Two songs, so I had like Love Is Blindness and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Hawk Moon Two Sixty Nine was my Kuga, my Kuga. I think all of mine called. were named after Dragon Ball Z characters and Outlaw <laughs> Star characters because I was also into Toonami at the time. Goku but, the Uni. Uh, the time to grow then, up, being able to watch I, anime. Oh my god! Yeah. Know, right. Uh, yeah. The big one. So like the one I personally got into was Shattered Galaxy, which is now like a shell of its former self, but was a really cool MMO RTS at the time. Uh, which felt like a precursor to MOBAs in a way. Uh, but RuneScape, you have to talk about RuneScape because RuneScape 
was and is still kind of a thing at the time. It was this completely different world where you had this browser-based MMO that was all Java, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, everything correctly. was Java back then. <laughs> and you would get into the whole thing of you'd go home and, and try and trick people into doing mining for you for money and things like that. You would Tom Sawyer people <laughs> in, <laughs> in RuneScape. It was a lot of people's first experience with online scams was RuneScape and, and MMOs in general. And so there was suddenly video games that used to be this this very either like uh single player or you know couch co-op sort of thing were suddenly very online and in a massive way and now everyone was interacting with everybody else and those dynamics were starting to form where now you had role playing in an online format which previously that existed but really only muds and things like that not in a graphical interface like runescape like wow right right so you had a lot of stuff evolving out of that it was it was really interesting as a as a young child it was (laughs) it was fascinating to watch because you were seeing the internet go from this thing that you just used at the computer at school when you needed to look something up on Lexus Nexus or whatever uh, to now it was this thing where you could play games and you could talk to other people. You can meet other people on the internet and then all the weird stuff that came with that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Have- like it's, it's such a, like it's, it was basically social networks at yeah. that time where uh-huh. this was like your friends and this was your community. Although it's really interesting that you brought up like RuneScape and Neopets because people have like, these games were so huge and expansive that like uh-huh. you entire generations like went through where you were like i can talk to people and they were so into runescape and i'm like i never played i have no idea Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like these communities segment out of like yeah people remember it so much but you couldn't really play two at once Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I actually have to give a shout out to Ragnarok Online as well. That was my first yes. like major online RPG. Such a great soundtrack. Uh, warning, I'm going to pepper this whole episode with, with Ragnarok Online music. So just uh, if you hear it, you'll know. And there still exists. You know, the, the game is still up. It's apparently very popular, I think, in the Philippines and um, other like South Asian uh, countries it's on mobile as well and i've restarted several times on mobile and always kind of given up because i still have no idea how to play that game the quests don't make any sense the translation's never good i just fight until i get strong enough to get uh, a peco peco to write on and then i just kind of give up but what a great game that was a big deal when it came out um in north america because it got an english localization it's a it's a korean rpg and I remember everyone was playing the free demo and on the last day, the last free day I passed by, I'm going to Prontero, the main town and someone named themselves a whole bunch of slurs and it's just, you know what? Bye. <laughs> Good luck guys. I remember What a great game. Kind of, I, lo- I love that game. I was obsessed with the idea of Star Wars Galaxies in 2003 and I remember all the Star Wars fans who came in and we're like, oh, sweet. I'm running around the sands of Tatooine shooting at Womp Rats. Okay. And people were trying to figure out how to become Jedi. And becoming a Jedi was outrageously complicated because you had <laughs> I to, be. I guess, be force sensitive. And you had to realize you were force sensitive. And then you had to get holocrons to be able to eventually get to the point where you could be a Jedi. So being a Jedi was super rare in the game. And it, speaks to what a different time that was for MMORPGs. Because now, of course, they would never do that. They want you to be an, a, a Jedi, which is why Star Wars uh, The Old Republic came out some years later. It's like, okay, but everybody can be a Jedi now. 
it's fine. But in Star Wars Galaxies, of course, lore-wise, it wouldn't have made any sense until the the new gen update came out and Sony just kind of threw up its hands and said, whatever, I, I don't care. Everybody can be a Jedi now. Everyone can be a Jedi. This is that, like participation trophies. Everyone can be a Jedi. That's what was so cool about Galaxies looking at it from the outside was I looked at it and even as a young child, Eric had old takes where I was like, I don't want to like, that's kind of cool that being a Jedi is a, is a rare thing. And I can just be like a carpenter. I could be a space carpenter. That sounds rad. I want to build buildings and cook things in space. That sounds awesome. I want to uh, be, you could be a Jedi or a bounty hunter. No space carpenter. I want to go build a carpenter. Yeah. I want to craft Jesus. things. That's the origin of Space Wolverine it's, Jesus, all right? <laughs> you got to work your way to But you got to evolve Jesus. him like Pokemon. You got to evolve him from a, a uh-huh, carpenter uh-huh. to the holy of the holy, the holiest of the holies. You first have to realize that you can uh, turn water into wine and multiply the loaves and the fish. <laughs> and, then, and then you're good. Uh, yeah, no, like Star Wars Galaxies was really cool conceptually because it felt like it was more about having a world in Star Wars rather than just having, like you said, everybody's a Jedi, everybody's super cool. And granted, the, the everybody's super cool thing can work sometimes, but I don't know if it works every time. And I think in Star Wars, having it be a little bit different could have worked to its advantage, but no more galaxies kind of speaks on that, I guess. I remember thinking at the time, like <clears throat> the first time I ever heard of MMORPGs was when I heard Richard Garriott describing what EverQuest Online might look like. And he was imagining this reactive world in which dragons killing uh, sheep might end up leading to, you know, quests that are arising um, by themselves. And what he discovered was that actually player bases are not logical at all. And so you end up in <laughs> situations say. where these reactive quests simply don't work. So we ended up getting kind of put on rails. And then MMORPGs became these amusement parks as it were and i think world of warcraft is the kind of the er example of that it's funny <laughs> it's funny now to hear people talk about how wow classic was so hardcore and like was the how mmos should be because when wow classic when wow originally came out it was extremely accessible and was considered kind of baby mode by people mm. who were playing EverQuest and Star Wars Galaxies oh my and whatnot. God, yeah. Like I so this tells you how good I am at like picking winners. Like when WoW came out and I first played it, and like people were getting to 60 in like the first month, I was like, these people are gonna kill the industry. Like this, it's just simply too easy. It's gonna kill the industry because they're gonna play this game for like two months and then quit. Like this is going to it's going to screw over all of us. And this game is never going to go anywhere. Wow. So um, my wow character is now 17. So that's a good sign. So wait, your wow character can almost vote? Uh, my wow character can <laughs> almost vote. Yes. Finally. Um, she, she's almost legal. Um, yeah, she's 17 years and five months old. That's kind of horrifying now. Did you start playing? So you were playing back in the days of Vanilla Wow. I did. I started at launch. Um, wow. And I I played for a couple months. I quit. I went back to Camelot for like maybe six months. And then finally I was like, maybe I'll play this WoW thing. And then I went and played WoW. I probably played WoW like 250 days, which is like around the 5,000 hour mark. So wow. gosh. I played so a lot speaking. of WoW in my life. <laughs> a whole year lost to WoW. 
What's your favorite mm-hmm. race? What race do you play as? I've only played like one. I've still played. I've played one main for these 17 years, and it's a Torin Shaman. Yeah. Oh, I like Torrens. I'd probably play as a Torin if I played WoW. Torrin rule. Although, if I actually, if I played WoW, I would probably wait until you get the dragon people and I'd play as a dragon person because I'm a real simp. I liked. I liked the undead, or I liked night elves, mostly because I liked mm-hmm. Sylvanas, who combined mm-hmm. both of those mm-hmm. two aspects. Mm-hmm. I never played WoW, but I would I would have wanted to be the blood elves if I could have, because I like the you blood would've. elves in Warcraft mm-hmm. Three. Uh, they're they're so just moody and emo, and they're they're so mad about everything. I love them; they're great. I remember that there was a super hardcore. I like I remember when Burning Crusade came out, and I was talking to these two hardcore mmo players and they were just complaining endlessly about how wow was a dead game now burning crusade had made all of their loot useless and anyway wow was too easy so they had moved on to this other much more ridiculously complex mmo whose name i don't even remember at this point and they're like it's way better oh my gosh it was super grindy so that was it wasn't kind of 11 the, the was mindset. it it was not final fantasy 11 start with a v if i recall correctly I'm sure somebody can uh, remember the name of it. Guns the Duel. They got really also, into Guns the Duel. But the the contrast to that was Eve Online, which right. also mm-hmm. came out around this time, if you can recall. And that game was just a total sandbox Wild West. So that mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. kind of the contrasting philosophies of WoW versus Eve Online. A game like Eve Online, where you could have a forever war between all of these corporations, and you show up and people just rob you blind. And they're doing crazy things like shutting down your power so they can kill your titan. It's mm-hmm. that's a weird game. But. If you haven't read like some of the intrigue stories or like the real so, life yeah. side of Evon, like this is some of the best like thriller suspense scam stuff you've ever mm-hmm. seen in your life. Like people dedicating years of their life to like bringing down the fortunes of somebody else. It's amazing mm-hmm. stuff to read. It, yeah, like real best... life corporate spies in an MMO. It's beautiful. Yeah. Propaganda. They make propaganda in this game. And that's any game that inspires propaganda <laughs> within its communities. It's got something going on. The best GDC talk I ever went to was this lawyer who was a spy master in EVE Online. And oh he was God. talking about the Goon Swarm versus Band of Brothers war that happened and all of the crazy <laughs> stuff that they were doing including coming up with banners that had code in them and getting people to put them on their signature on the message boards, not realizing that it was giving them data. And (laughs) as a result, they were able to compile a list of who was in every single guild in that game, which was a big deal because then they could identify all spies from everywhere. Stuff like that. Like Human beings are crazy as shit. Like we are just a messed up species. Holy moly. But that is a testament, honestly, to what EVE Online was doing and is still doing by still all accounts. Doing, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, you will have some new story come out of EVE. And and now it's almost weird because now that, like they're very aware of it, like the devs are aware of it. And, and I'll get PR emails about like, oh, there's going to be this huge war in EVE Online this weekend. You're going to love it. You should cover it. And I'm like, feels a little weird in that respect. But like this community that just hooked into this game and a game that also facilitated that level and then just kept pulling in. And uh, I remember it was a big deal recently. They announced that Excel and Eve can now like interact. Like you can do export and import with Excel, which is just a game changer. And I love all of that. That's I would never play Eve online, 
but I will read about Eve Online any day, exactly. any, any day of the week. It's really I fascinating. Mean, I should stuff. want to play it because I love spaceship games. But but mm-hmm. if you I, approach uh, Eve Online, it has these huge gates that go up to infinity because it's just like, it, to me, it feels like the most locked away society the internet has. It's really terrifying. And I'm sure there's a little crack you could squirm through, but I'm not looking for it. I knew somebody who joined Eve Online and they played for several years and they were part of the Band of Brothers um, guild. And they were running some mining station at the edge, uh, on like the outer rim, just kind of tooling away, trying to save up to get a bigger ship. And I was just like, wow. You're, so you're just, you know, <laughs> you're just like blue collar working in the middle of nowhere in a video game. Like, this is your fantasy. There's something comforting <laughs> about it, I have, to, I have to admit. You seemed all right with it. <laughs> yeah, we always I, used to joke that like, if you want to start playing Eve Online, like you should have started playing Eve Online like a year ago. Yeah. Because then it would be fun. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about very briefly about the pop culture impact that World of Warcraft had in the 2000s, including the South Park episode, which everybody still seems to see I... as probably the best South Park episode. My father like knows nothing about video games. And he thought that the when I think it was... Uh... Butters shows up in this with the same glam dwarf glamour as I think it was Cartman, and they just had this huge fight. And Butters was like, oh, "I'm going back to Hello Kitty Island." My father's on the floor, and he doesn't care about video games whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I remember that it was based on a real life thing, where there was somebody who somehow got into the test servers, if I recall correctly, and was running around killing people and being crazy. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really interesting story of how they actually went and made that particular episode. But there, there's all kinds of just wild stories out of it that gradually filtered out into pop culture too. Like I want to say it was Mythic Quest was the one, the recent TV show that had like Rob McElhaney and some others about an MMO, and they did a whole story beat that was the same as the like Scarlet Plague that was in um that was in World of Warcraft. If I'm remembering correctly. Oh, the, uh, co- the corrupted blood thing. Yeah. Yeah. The one yeah. where it was like spreading between players and all that. Um, and they did like a similar storyline in their fake MMO in their like MMO workplace sitcom. <laughs> uh, and that was I mean, obviously, that's a show that's about video games. So that makes sense. But it really does go to show like there are there are moments of that even just Leroy Jenkins and things like Leroy. that, which was, was coming up around the time that YouTube was starting to kick up too. Mm-hmm. And you had games and, and gameplay on YouTube at that time. Same thing goes for like Call of Duty and, and Modern Warfare and all that. But Leroy Jenkins became this thing in the very early stages that then brought more people to be like, what is this game? What is going on here? Why is this dude yelling Leroy Jenkins as he runs <laughs> into this place and yeah, everyone else? Jenkins. All, all the talk about like okay well we better make sure we've got this proc and we've got this boot what, what what set are you running right now what do you what are you pulling right now and then leroy jenkins right in there. <laughs> did i ever tell I you all that i i had a drink with leroy jenkins really yeah oh that's the celebrity did stuff he right yell leroy jenkins and shotgun whatever drink <laughs> i was at the warcraft movie premiere when it came out at los angeles of course i was covering it for us gamer and i was you know they had a kind of a cocktail you know open bar thing for the various journalists and i was hanging out at this table and 
with this guy and he's like oh yeah i'm leroy jenkins and i'm like get out of town he's like oh no no they did it and i was just like wow that's like kevin conroy yelling down the i am the knight i am batman to the 9-11 rescuers who was because they didn't believe that he was there I love that he made a mini career out of being Leroy Jenkins. Like yeah. Blizzard was toting uh-huh. him around to events, apparently, uh-huh. <laughs> including to the Warcraft movie. Say the line, Leroy. Leroy Say the Jenkins. Line. I mean, were you working if, at? If you were Leroy Jenkins, like you would use that as your you opener to talk to a girl. Like, yeah. come on, oh, of yeah. course you would. Exactly. That's how you score. That's your icebreaker right there. You, you know, uh-huh. I'm I'm Leroy Jenkins. You know, I'm I'm Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> I, I was an answer on Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. That's right. How many of us can say that? I sure can't. Yet. Maybe someday. But meanwhile, everybody was trying to be a WoW killer. And it was a lot like the Doom killers of yeah. the 90s. Many imitations. Uh, few, if any, were able to actually kill WoW, which just became the absolute dominant game. I forget what the what it sat had it at its peak but it was like it was absurd tens of millions completely transfer completely transformed blizzard but amy you worked on some of those uh wow killers and i'm curious like which one do you kind of feel fondest about Ooh, there's a lot of dark emotions about (laughs) dark emotions (laughs) Um, especially because i was like i was a wow fan too Mm -hmm. um and I think there's this is always the truth about the industry that like you can't really kill a game within its own genre. Like mm. ultimately, WoW was not felled by anything. WoW eventually kind of the global consciousness moved to other games like League and like a different type of game ascends. Uh-huh. So I mean, I think it's interesting. Like I don't even think Final Fantasy like didn't kill WoW, even though it's I think maybe a bigger MMO today. Um, but it kind of took everybody like kind of stepping away from wow for that to happen for yeah, us to like, exactly. come back and look mm-hmm. at MMOs again. So the dark side of it, though, inside the industry is that like, you know, I'm sure the next five years are going to be like, how can I make an Elden Ring killer? Like, yes. That mm-hmm. stuff, it just mm-hmm. it gets greenlit. So like, that's what all the projects are. So you keep making them, even though even sometimes you're like, we're probably not going to beat them like. You can make a different game, but ultimately then it turns into your design documents or like, what can we do that's different than WoW? Like you're always conscious of the big one. So you're like, how are we different? How do we justify ourselves? What's our unique take? Um, and so many games just did like, WoW with one difference. And then <laughs> honestly, if it was a good idea, usually WoW would just be like, oh, okay, well, we'll just put that one difference in our game. And now we're still ahead of you. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's true. I honestly, I almost all of my time in the industry has probably taught me that if you're making an X killer, like it, it's maybe you should just get off the game. Like it's not right. going to work. Mm-hmm. It gets killed, not so much as it's a killer. Yes. Star Wars: The Old Republic was supposed to be the game that killed WoW, and yeah, oh, right. it just killed Bioware instead. Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> yeah. oh dear, yeah, R.I.P. But Amy, tell me about the origins of ESO. I mean. Uh, ESO was started up like Bethesda wanted to get into the MMO space. Um, obviously it was hot and big. Um, the Bethesda team, like they were doing their thing. Like they make 
Todd Howard RPGs and they were <laughs> going to keep making them. So they kind of decided to start up another studio. Um, a lot of early people that came over did come over from um, Mythic Entertainment. Like Mythic kind of ended up fracturing and going to two places. It went to SWOTOR and it went to Elder Scrolls um, predominantly. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it was greenlit early on. It was a little WoW reactionary. Like it, it was similar to WoW. Um, like the games take so long to make that they end up like cross influencing each other over and over. So like SWOTOR coming out drastically changed ESO. Skyrim mm. coming out drastically right. changed ESO. So by the time we launched, it was a very different game than WoW. Um, but yeah, early on, it was very WoW reactionary. How did it compare to your time working on Dark Age of Camelot? Um, so I actually maybe enjoyed my time on Dark Age of Camelot more, but this is kind of a preference as a developer. I actually really enjoy working on live games. And especially, you know, I was a young kid in the industry. Like, it was amazingly fun. I didn't play Dark Age until I started working there. Dark Age, I was playing it every night and I was programming it. So, like, if something mm. bothered me, I could just go fix it. I could go, you know, <laughs> change like stuff in the game. It was, we got good ideas. We would just go and do it. It was a small team. I was probably like the 10th programmer to give you an idea. Um, it was a small team, small company. We had a lot of freedom. Um, but that like live game feeling of like you release a patch and you go look at the forums and you see how people are reacting to it. Like that, that's kind of the energy that I thrive on as a game developer. Um, ESO was harder for me, if only because like you start out Blue Sky, you're for years and years and years. Yeah, like these games are not fun to play. Um, I'm proud of what ESO got to eventually and like what it became and even the game it is today. But like these games take years and years and years where it's it's barely playable. You run around a test zone. You're kind of just running on faith and confidence and hope um, while making content and playing it and being like, is this good? And how do you even judge an MMO? Like, right. you're not invested in it. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, uh -huh. when you're just playing a zone in isolation. So making them, like, is actually quite hard on developers. Um, and for a long time, you're like, I don't even know if this game is going to be successful or not. Um, it's tough to tell. And at night, you know, we were all playing WoW. We were all playing the new releases. Like, you were still playing other MMOs as they came out. But I do enjoy live development. Just from a personal side, I enjoy that more. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Um, I like the instant feedback. I just do. Like I like, and I like honestly playing the games I work on. Like that's so much fun. Um, it just, you know, it makes you more excited. It makes you understand at a very intuitive level what needs to happen. Um, I think being able to interact with players, like it almost sorts out the priority questions for you. Like you don't need to take blind faith guesses of like what's most important. What does our game need? Because you're all just like, you would play it together. Like I worked on Heroes of the Storm, for instance. And at night, like I would go play um, games with a bunch of people from the dev team. And then we would come in the next day and talk about it and change stuff. Like that's a great energy to have. I loved that sure. so much. I have to imagine that what you were doing is not that dissimilar from Acts of the Blood God in the sense of like, we had this discord, we're interacting mm -hmm. with all the time with the community. We make episodes and we kind of get instant feedback and then we can kind of go, okay, well, we'll retool the show uh, to be able to match it. And it, it does feel good to be able to talk to the audience in that kind of way, right? Yes. 
you're invested in the product. Uh, mm -hmm. Dark Age of Camelot was the, it was more PVP focused, right? It was, it was very PVP focused. It had a decent, like we had entire expansions that were pretty PVE focused, but yeah, it was, it was very hardcore, or hardcore, yeah, probably hardcore mm -hmm. um, PVP. Uh, it was kind of the three realms fighting against each other. Um, and yeah, like that was what kept the game fun. Like I played it for maybe three years, pretty hardcore of like almost every night, just running around and PVPing. Um, and it was good, like group based and even like hundreds and hundreds of people group based. It was actually a good feeling of like war. Um, uh, I just, yeah. I have tons of fond memories of, of PvP side, and I'm not even necessarily a huge PvP player. Like because it was big group based, like you could get mm -hmm. into it anyway. Right. Yeah. That that was something that when I was playing Shattered Galaxy a lot really appealed to me because that was a three faction system too. And so there would be times when I'd log on and my clan would be like, Oh, we struck a deal with that. Uh, faction over on that side of the map to say like we're not gonna like push into each other's territory we're all gonna go camp the base of the other person and so we'd weed our way over there and kind of spawn camp them essentially and be like ha 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 and then the other guys would betray you and come in and and start taking your territory and now we're like oh those scumbags we're gonna cut off their <laughs> supply lines and all that is like that sounds fun i i always like the the three faction setup and it's maybe one thing about wow that i've never really Doug is like the alliance horde thing and i'm surprised it's it's lasted as long as it has especially when i feel like 14 when it eventually came out one of the big thing big things it did was just get rid of that idea entirely and say like everybody's kind of on the same team uh but for a long time it seemed like conflict was at the heart of these mmos having some sort of pvp faction identity was at the heart of these mmos yeah yeah, and I mean, for me, it was maybe the first time in gaming when I really experienced the, like, something is happening right now and you need to go mm -hmm. to respond to it. Like, mm -hmm. it's 9 p.m., I'm not playing the game. Somebody messages you and they're like, stuff is going down. Like, you mm -hmm. need to get online. Um, just because, like, you know, another realm is, you know, trying in DOC, it was like somebody's doing a relic raid. It was huge. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. like, people would, like, swarm in and, like, start playing at the same time. So it was this video games changed for me from just being these like single player you're in control to like oh no i'm not playing right now but stuff is happening yes that's a very powerful feeling yeah i remember hearing about <laughs> in eve online it'd be like there's an attack happening go 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 get out of bed mm -hmm. <laughs> Wake it's up. three in the morning we're texting yeah. you go the the it's warning like systems in the hierarchy sergeant. yeah yeah get out of bed scumbag we're under attack the thing I find interesting about MMORPGs, of course, is that there are RPGs at all. And I guess that goes all the way back to, you know, the days of Ultima Online and perhaps even before that, the original Neverwinter that came out in the early 90s. And uh, online RPGs were uh, online, sorry, RPGs were always a great fix fit for online games because, of course, you had that sense of progression, that sense of actually living in the world and everything but by the time of wow it felt like mmorpgs at least to me were kind of starting to crowd out traditional rpgs i remember being annoyed at xenoblade chronicles because it was like oh my god everything wants to be an mmorpg yeah mm -hmm. even when very... 
they're not an MMO. Like Final Fantasy XII was another example. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is sure. that's an MMO ass combat system I'm playing right now. That was a, yes. so yeah, that was a very interesting influence on traditional RPGs as well. I think it was actually Xenoblade Chronicles that kind of got me over my fear of modern uh, MMORPGs. It's like, oh, this is what a tank does. This is what taunting really does. This is what a DPS does. That was stuff I all kind of learned through. Xenoblade Chronicles, which of course is offline and therefore a lot less intimidating. You're fighting huge ass robots that could like crush you in an instant, but it was a lot less intimidating than dealing with a real person. Yeah, and even like the iconography of like exclamation points are now like yes. utterly ubiquitous in RPGs. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like that was new in WoW. <laughs> so 2000s were the heyday of MMORPGs. These days, there's a lot of different kinds of online games you can play. And they, they kind of spread out into Destiny, and they kind of spread out into League of Legends, and they spread. And of course, they still have Final Fantasy XIV. But I'm wondering, looking back, how did MMORPGs change the genre? Because I do think they changed the way that we think about RPGs in general. I think quests are definitely a major way that it did change. And and having like that when you said the exclamation mark, that really jumped out at yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like like having that sense of like here is main quest here are side quests like this is this is like delineation in rpgs and also like the the idea of having all that content be readily accessible was was kind of intermingling with stuff like fallout which was expanding in scope and all that but i think before then you play crpgs from before that time and there was more of a sense of you just have quests that you can undertake and some might be main path and some might be side path and some might not go anywhere but uh, having the, you know, what has now become like the Ubisoft model of here are all the icons and stuff. I definitely associate with things like RuneScape and for me personally, and obviously like World of Warcraft and stuff like that too. Also color-coded loot, which goes all the way mm-hmm. back yes. to Diablo too. Yeah, that's, honestly, that's Diablo right Wow there. popularized it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow. Well, I mean... Yeah, I, I guess I've never been that big a fan of MMORPGs as a concept, but I think it made more people RPG fans because I think it did. so yeah. many people played WoW and so many people played Final Fantasy XIV that the, the language of the genre seeped into the popular consciousness in a way that maybe it just wasn't in the 90s, right? Because mm-hmm. the 90s were all about shooters. Yeah, And th- that still continued to be the case for the most part in the 2000s. But then WoW came out. It was the biggest game. It was so big that it became ubiquitous. It seeped into the popular consciousness in a way that almost no video game ever has. And I feel like it's had a reverberating impact where people are just more, conf- are more uh, confident playing RPGs now because they understand the language i think you're right like we taught we taught an entire generation of like what buffs and debuffs and like status (laughs) effects (laughs) and Mm -hmm. how encounters work and elemental more dots more dots yeah rating is like uh, a game accepted term now like destiny Mm -hmm. lives and dies by raids as much as wow used to and like that's a huge thing that one of the biggest shooters out there is basically wow with guns (laughs) <laughs> and, uh like like the idea of raiding not just being this thing that's for the people that stay up all night and and do these big complex planning things but it's also like 
get together with your buddies and stream on Twitch for world first on destiny raids. And even wow raids are that way too. Now Uh, it's, Mm -hmm. it's weird to see how that stuff has become so much more mainstream over the course of time due to the popularity of wow. It also really taught us like it was a lot of people's first introductions to like patching and the game changing over time. Right. Like, oh yeah. There's so much. I mean, even right now, there's so much emotion over like Elden Ring nerfing stuff. Like ostensibly <laughs> single player game. Now, like, yeah, things come out. They change builds. Like it's it's not just sort of expected. Well, that's our PC RPG quest for the 2000s. We'll be going into the 2010s next, and we'll be uh getting pretty close, maybe two more episodes to go before we wrap up our PC RPG quest, which has been a lot of fun. But before we wrap up, it's time now to head into the nook, or is it the pit? Nadia, take us home. Actually, my story is relevant to uh, what our entire topic because <laughs> when you said we're going to be talking about uh, 2000s RPGs, I was reminiscing like, oh yeah, I remember some memories, even though I didn't play a whole lot of them. But uh, just to give you an idea, I had a, I have a very good friend. I'm still friends with him, and he was playing. I think it was Ultima Online, and he like we we communicated via a I swear to God a message book. This was our this was our sorry a guest book, which was our message board at the time about Suikoden. So. That's how old this is. So he's playing Ultima Online, and he's complaining on the guest book. I said, what's wrong? He said, oh, I was, pl- I, was <laughs> I found a sword, and I took it to a blacksmith to appraise it, and he ran off with the sword. <laughs> oh, no. uh, like the, the blacksmith re- took your sword and ran. And I'm just thinking in my head, that bit in The Simpsons where Homer is in New York City, da, 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 and everything's getting stolen from him. And not just stolen, but like yoinked, like, you have a cop like looking solemnly and nodding, like listening to a story about how he got ripped off, and the cop just grabs a suitcase and runs. That's exactly what I was thinking of. When I was... And it's like, it is so crazy how much more friendly MMORPGs have become over the over time because it was kind of a wild west at at that point. Uh, again, I mentioned Ragnarok Online, which. Obviously, as I said, it was a, a, an RPG from Korea. It didn't quite have the modding that was necessary for what was appropriate for English users. So you'd have a lot of people doing shenanigans and kind of, you know, being bad to each other. And I'm kind of glad that modern MMORPGs are more of an amusement park now. And uh, they, they have like safety rails and rides and <laughs> for the rides and stuff like that, because no one's Going stealing my Disneyland. story. I'll say that much. Going to the Disneyland instead of the pit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It was it was a pit for that one dude that got his sword stolen, but a nook for everybody else. <laughs> it was for sure. I, I just like I said, the memory, the, the the visual of of the guy just disappearing with the sword stayed with me for the rest of my life. What do you think, Eric? Was that a nook or a pit? That was, that was a nook. I it did yeah. not affect me personally, so I'm good. That's a nook. <laughs> Oh, I'll have something for you special next week, I'm sure. Nadia's uh, pits just show up. (laughs) Nadia's pits are like sinkholes in Florida. They just (laughs) open up beneath your feet without you even realizing, and then you're just falling, Mm -hmm. falling Mm -hmm. into the Nadia nostalgia pit, and you can't even escape. And they just show up 
at random throughout the episodes. So yeah, that's. Uh, I, I have to say, I'm pretty good at surprising people, and it's like we'll be on a conversation. I'll be like, "Oh, that reminds me," and <laughs> it's never a good sign. Every time I hear that, my fight or flight response triggers. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, do you want? I'm sorry, I wasn't a pit. Do you want a bonus pit story? No. It's not related to gaming. Oh God, but it's really good. Oh no, it's the really... pit's so, uh, opening up. No, beneath it's feet. opening. <laughs> no, okay, so to remind you all, as I have a million times, I used to be a dog groomer, and this was at. I used to be at PetSmart. <laughs> And if you've ever been to a PetSmart, you've probably seen the window uh, that separates the the grooming salon from the the rest of the the store, so people can kind of look and you know watch you watch the their pet being groomed. So one day, uh, a friend of mine who I still talk to, she was grooming this golden retriever, kind of clipping around the butt, and she, <laughs> the dog's butt is facing the window, so <laughs> she lifts up the dog's tail, <laughs> all over the window, and. <laughs> <laughs> there are people watching this happen and thankfully they were they laughed and but my god i worked hard on those windows to keep them clean you know because i also used to be a custodian so i'm very i'm very finicky about clean windows oh man and that's not even the worst of my grooming stories i swear to god when my my friends and i still get together and we we talk and my husband won't come with me to these dinners because our stories get so bad Ugh. I'll, I'll relay them all sometime, but yeah, I just wanted to, I felt disappointed because I was like, you know what? We can't go out on a nook. I don't feel like going out on a nook. I'm angry at the world today, so we got to go out on a pit. So there's your pit. Thank you very much. Down, 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 so? down to Nadia Town. Mm-hmm. Down, down to Goblin Town. You go, my lad. Yeah, exactly. Well, sorry, uh, sorry, Amy. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I came here for a pit. Okay, like, well, there you I go. Was, I was disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you're happy now. I hope it fulfilled your. She got a real time pit. Well done, a nook and a pit, two for one bargain, two for one special. Our stars of destiny were getting their money's worth this week, and uh, yeah. And on that note, that's the end of this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for joining us for this wonderful conversation. Amy, would you like to plug anything before we head out? I guess I don't have a traditional plug, so I'll just say, like, support unions in the games industry mm-hmm. and outside the games industry. Yes. Um, read Kat's awesome article about Nintendo contractors. Mm-hmm. Like, support the people that make your games because uh, they're often not treated well and we need more workers' rights. So that's my plug. That's an amazing plug. Thank you so much. It's a good plug. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And of course, if you enjoy the show, go ahead and leave us a review over on the podcast of choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Capot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at C Moosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. If you enjoy the show, please support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you can get a ton of exclusive content, including early access to our top 25 RPGs of all time. And you can join our Discord and lots of great stuff. It's a lot of fun. We're going to be heading over to the Acts of the Blood God post show in just a hot second that's available to our Stars of Destiny. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be back next week. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, Amy, and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventure.
Pay the court a fine or serve your sentence. Stop. Pay the court a fine or serve your sentence. Stop. You, you, you violated the law. You, you, you violated the law. You, you, you violated the law. Stop. You, you, you violated the law. Stop. Law. Law. Law, 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 law. Violated, 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 violated.